It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb, Eric, and Sean. Listen in as we discuss a variety of topics, such as the French Dispatch, Siskel and Ebert, and Lost in Translation. Next year, we look forward to Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Um, I don't know what it's about, but the cast is stellar. Uh, there's some new people who haven't been in a Wes Anderson movie before, like Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson. <gasps> yeah, she was in Isle of Dogs. Oh, yes. I don't know anything about the movie, but it was shot in Spain. So there you go. Yeah, I hopefully they'll be used a little better. That was one of my disappointments, is I feel like he brought in a lot of good people for the French Dispatch, and some of them I thought were a little wasted. So. Well, yeah, they were, it just focused on like four or five, and then everyone else was just window dressing, which, eh, whatever. I, I, I Even someone who got a lot of attention, like Timothy Chalamet, I felt like the role he was in did not really do him any favors. That's my least favorite section of the movie by far, uh, his story. Well, the girl who was cast opposite him, I think it did her a lot of favors. And me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, you know, there's that. Sorry, that was my phone. Is that my phone? Billy Goat? Oh, that was my phone. That was, that was mine. Uh, I'm going to send it. Um, you know, there's uh, that movie, what's that movie called? Dax Snyder, uh, Army of the Dead, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a new miniseries came out. Army of Thieves. Uh, yeah, there's like a prequel, right? Uh, yeah. I thought it was a movie. Army of the Dead. Gonna watch that one, uh, Sean? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's a series. There's a prequel. I thought it was a movie coming to Netflix now. Not by Zack Snyder, done by somebody else. Okay. But it's in-universe. Yeah, it's about the, the safe cracker. Oh, I guess it is a movie. It was originally gonna be a series. I guess they changed their mind. Thank God. Oh, okay. I, I didn't like that movie very much. It was really overdone. I mean, just like... I thought it was okay. And it's and that is not my kind of thing. As I, I think we discussed it before. That is not my kind of thing, but I thought it was okay. Which always confuses me how the people who love horror uh, broadly... I sometimes can't tell how you guys figure out what's good and what's not. Since, since you like so much of it broadly i can't ever figure it out um <laughs> yeah i'm just trying it to doesn't make sense to me i don't see uh, I, sometimes i see patterns but other times i don't see patterns like to try to predict what you'll like and what you won't that's how i feel with comedies me t- no i agree a hundred percent especially romantic comedies oh but see those like i feel like i could suss out better like if i was gonna guess which comedies or rom-coms 
even though I was wrong about Annie Hall. Although, I feel like Caleb watched it wrong somehow. But, um... <laughs> you know, it was funny, actually, because I'm, I'm releasing the Pink Flamingos episode on Monday. And so I've been editing that. And it's funny that you were, like, mirroring me with our Annie Hall discussion, except talking about Pink Flamingos. What I thought was nuts <laughs> was I was listening to an interview Adam Carolla was doing on his podcast the other day. And there was a weird Pink Flamingos connection. Uh, he was uh, he was interviewing the, the drummer from the Go-Go's. And he was asking her how, how she came to be in the band and everything. And she was from she was out of the East Coast playing with some different rock bands in the late seventies. And she said it was she's like, actually someone just suggested I go to LA and go check out that scene. And she said it was what's her name? Can't remember her name, but you guys know who she is. Um and she was like she was like, it was what's her name who used to be in all the John Waters movies. And so I had to Google her name to figure out who she was. Uh she yeah. was the one the one who was like in love with the Eggman. Oh, Edith Macy. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Edith Macy. She said Edith Macy. She's like Edith Macy, like knew like the music scene or something, and told her you should go to L.A. and try to like get into the music scene over there. So that was she got advice from her, and then she went to L.A. and then eventually, you know, ended up in the go. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just such a non sequitur. It's weird. <laughs> Is the Go Go's the the one that has the lady from the singing telegram from Clue? Was she in the Go Go's? Singing telegram. From, let me find out. Singing telegram. I am your singing telegram. Yes, yeah, Sean. Are are you a fan of uh, Annie Hall? Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, Sean, you're I, correct. Uh, yeah, I actually, it's. I think it, it's just. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Um, there's there. Are, I I kind of like. I don't like it as much as like a movie as a whole, rather than a number of really funny sequences, like the cocaine sequence. That's hilarious. It is just so funny. He's such a dork, and he's so. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, it's not self-referencing, but. Uh, I don't know. Like, he knows that he's a dork and he plays on it in his movies. Mm. Right. Um, um, what's the word? Uh, um, oh, God. Why can't I think of that? I want to say self... It's self-deprecating. De- self yeah, that's self it. De- that's self it. Deprecating. That's it. Um, um, if I remember, so the recap is Caleb can't stand the Nebish character. It's too much. And Caleb just didn't my takeaway from our conversation was like you didn't the jokes weren't apparent to you like throughout the script throughout the dialogue you didn't you I just didn't find I mean there there was jokes that we talked about where I was like oh you found that funny oh okay it was just like kind of obnoxious to me there there are things in it that are just uh, like do I have to be a certain age to enjoy this because you know like the scene where they're they're having sex or making love and he can't do it because he keeps get, or maybe it's her. She can't do it because she keeps getting distracted, like by a siren outside or whatever. That that was like, I yeah okay. It's funny you say that because that's what that's the kind of thing Eric was saying with Pink Flingos. 
He's like, I feel like this is like a movie for toddlers, like an X-rated movie for toddlers. Like the humor is so juvenile. <laughs> I like that scene. I mentioned that scene, the one that Sean just mentioned. I like that scene. I, I find it like super creative and like, I, I don't know. I feel like I can super relate to that. Oh my, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. Whether I'm on the Woody Allen end or the uh, what's her, her end. Um, uh, Annie Hall? Yeah. Uh, or yeah, Diane well, Keaton. Um, yeah, I... I I find those sequences, and there's many in that movie, I find them poetically true or, like, real, very, uh, satire really, really grounded in realism. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But there's another part that I just laugh out loud is, um, you're what my granny Hall would call a real Jew. <laughs> she just... And then she takes him over over for, for dinner. And, like, we get the POV of the grandmother. And it's, like, him in, like, this, what is it called, Sephardic Jew outfit yes. with the curls and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. I like that bit. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I love that bit, too. Absolutely. Yeah, the, no, that whole dinner sequence, there was some funny stuff. Especially when we see, like, the, the split screen between the two. And the kind of uh, contra con contrasting their very different personalities. I thought all that stuff worked. Have you guys ever seen uh, Radio Days? I have not. Nope. Oh, you guys! Hey, I'm all about it. I'm yeah, all that, about that, it. Uh, that's a Woody Allen movie, uh, and it's just about like, uh, it's just about like his days as a kid, and and uh, really good movie, cute, and it's just a it's it's a what, what a what, episodic or picaresque. I mean, there's no big long kind of like Annie Hall. There's no big long story. It's just a number of episodes. Of different things that happened um hmm. yeah that, that's a good movie i haven't seen it in a long time or uh oh what's over broadway i always like that one yeah that's that period of woody allen's i had i don't think i've seen anything of his like from those years one day one day yeah and i'd be open to covering more of him i mean like i said i liked hannah and her sisters quite a bit more than annie hall so it's not like I completely will swear off his movies. It's just I find his comic persona just obnoxious. It's weird. And like for you, Sean, I was I was comparing him to like a Kevin Hart, or like um, who's another obnoxious comedian? I always forget these guys. Um, will Ferrell? Did I, did I already say Will Ferrell? No. Yeah, like yeah, I just feel like he always, no matter what what movie it is, he's always the exact same character, and it's always like that stupid ants movie. You guys ever seen that? It's not <laughs> that stupid. Ants. It's not that stupid. Oh, I can't stand that movie. I, I thought he ruined it. I don't really like the animation now. No, I think that's what makes the movie good. And that's what made the movie, at the time, uh, rate higher with the critics than Bugs Life was the Woody Allenisms. Uh, oh. I think the movie's great. I just think the <laughs> animation does not hold up uh, in modern times. But, um. Yeah. Well. Agree, disagree. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe B movie tried to do the same thing as Ant uh, mm. movie. Well, you're t t bringing up movies that I have never <laughs> seen or really maybe never even want to see. <laughs> yeah, see Jerry Seinfeld. I, I, he works so well in in the show Seinfeld, but I feel like trying to bring that comic persona to other things like the B movie just did not play well. You're trying to do the same thing as with Ant, like be this like upset Jerry. Uh, in a beehive and I mean I don't know, whatever 
bee colony. Yeah, it didn't didn't play. I saw uh, I saw Seinfeld uh, in an interview once, and he just totally rubbed me the wrong way. Couldn't stand him. Um, he was being interviewed. It was a quick, like, ten minute thing, eight minute thing. By it was it may have been Entertainment Tonight, but I never watched that. But I know it was a man and a woman that were interviewing him from a studio, and he just seemed like he didn't he didn't want to be bothered with this interview. It reminded me of like. Uh, <laughs> jerry lewis or something because jerry lewis has this steve is like obsessed with jerry lewis so he'll go and find all these uh videos on youtube of jerry lewis being a jerk um because he was kind of a jerk uh so yeah, yeah i've heard that yeah. and yeah i i haven't i yeah I, I think jerry seinfeld definitely has that in him like, mm-hmm. the, like he doesn't want to do the public thing but also i wonder i don't know Cause now it's like coming out, but like, like Jerry Seinfeld and, and like Jay Leno are like some of those guys who've been like uh, secret secret conservatives this whole time, and it's just becoming uh, more more known now. I mean, that doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I just, but I'm sure that has something to do with something. He's another one of those comedians. His his persona I just find so grating. I just can't stand him. Who's this? Jay Leno. Oh God, yeah. Did you say you love him? No, no, no. I was never a fan of his oh. show in particular or his style of comedy in particular. Uh, I mean, I never had an opinion one way or the other, strongly. But um, he is well spoken of, meaning uh, as like as if in, like in real life he's like one of the nicest, most dependable, like down to earth people from all accounts from other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard that. That kind of reminds me, I recently watched um, David Letterman's show, uh, interview show on uh, on Netflix. Uh, My my next guest needs no introduction. And he talked to Dave Chappelle. And I was like, wow, Dave Chappelle is actually like really cool, like down to earth. Like he's not like he is on stage. I mean, uh, and I, I, I don't really. Dave Chappelle is very known for hanging out at local bars and just talking to regular people and just being like a regular dude. Yeah, he lives in a little tiny town in Iowa. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't live in like L.A. or anything. And yeah, uh, I watched his latest special, by the way, and I did not find it uh, that bad as everybody thinks it is. But I don't want to admit that on social media because. <laughs> I'll cut that part out for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, yeah, uh, you know, it was mostly funny, and I think that the things that he the, the he addressed the trans thing was pretty cool, and I, and then of course yeah, the, the man can't say anything, you know. Yeah. He, he's, he's there's no way he's gonna win. He, he, uh, yeah, I will say about Dave Chappelle, he's the only stand-up comedian who I actually used to like when I liked stand-up very briefly. Really? I haven't listened to any of his new stuff since he came back, but because I used to like the Chappelle show, <laughs> I went and sought out his, his stand-up. Yeah, I enjoyed it. He, he was a fun storyteller. He could really really kind of pull you in. A lot of other stand-up I just find too bit-based, like too much based around a certain person's personality. Right. Dave Chappelle, I thought, could tell really humorous kind of, uh, I don't know, like ghetto yarns. That sounds like a wrong thing to say, but... <laughs> <laughs> if you get what I mean. Yeah. Uh, okay, says the chocolate I had a man. Couple, 
Got a couple cups here. What? You know. What's wrong with chocolate, man? How is that? In, how does that have anything to do with Dawn of the Dead? I know Leon doesn't, but I need to. I need to write this down. There's actually a little bit of controversy around the Chocolate Man line that I need to remember to bring up. There you go. Wait, when is this line? There you go. When is this line? Tom Savini says it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'll 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 try to mention it. I wrote it down. There you go. Is it meant to be racial? A racial uh, 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 slur in the movie? Uh, j- just like a hint of one. It's it's not really. I don't think that racial, but I mean, I guess it is a little bit. Mm. But it's not like that um, hateful or anything like that. But but yeah, I, I've I've been curious to check out the new specials just because of all the controversy. But I just I can't. I just don't enjoy stand up. Anytime I try to watch it, it just I, I just don't get it. So I and I, I used to like his stuff, but I've never gone back to any of his specials. So I don't know. Maybe it'd be a weird place to jump in. <laughs> My favorite stand-up comedian is Kathleen Madigan. I just I like her like folksy like Midwest humor. She she has a <laughs> she has a story about when uh, she went on a cruise, and she she goes to a room, and uh, the people next to her. Are taping balloons up on their up on all over their door, and she said, "Hey, what's going on? Is it, you know someone having a birthday?" And they said, "No, we just get so hammered on these ships. When we come back from the bar, we can't tell which room is ours." And uh, and then she goes, "Well, you know what? You people are my new best friends. You had to stop drinking and smoking long enough to blow up forty balloons, <laughs> and they say alcoholics are lazy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Kathleen, man. I just, I'm just enjoying Never mind. I'm just thinking about it. I've definitely had that at resorts. You get so wasted, and you're just like, I have no clue where the fuck my room is. <laughs> I've never been to a resort in my life. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, every year. Mexico. Oh, I miss it. Goddamn. We went to, uh... You, did you, either one of you see that, uh, The White Lotus, the one over there in HBO Max? Mm. I didn't watch it, but I've, I've noticed it. No. Oh, I would. Oh, you know what? I would recommend that, especially if you like Jennifer Coolidge. She's like the best thing in the movie. I have to see who Jennifer um, Coolidge is. She was Stifler's mom. Oh, not necessarily a fan of Jennifer Coolidge. How can you not be? What? Hey, I just saw her in Legally Blonde. What do you mean? How can I, I not be? Sequence of that movie. But best in show. I don't remember her in Best in Show. I believe I, I believe she, you. She was the one that was with Jane Lynch, and then they ended up being lesbians at the end. I wow. You know, I, I think I've only seen the movie one time all the way through, even though I like it. Uh, even though I like all those movies. Wow, they're making a third Legally Blonde. Wow. Goddamn. What White Lotus? So this is. What? And it's written and directed by Carl Carl White. I think his name is Carl White. He. He did a movie a while back that I didn't like very much called Chuck and Buck, um, which, uh... Yeah, Mike White. Mike White. Six episodes. Yeah, it's it's set at a resort in, in Hawaii, and each episode is one day, and there are maybe, like, maybe 15 characters in it. It's kind of like a Robert Altman movie where... Everything is separate, but you know, eventually they all come together. Um, huh. And the guy that played young Aquaman is in it, and uh, my God, like, uh, oh, well, that's all beside the point. But 
Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty damn good. There's nobody really other than Jennifer Coolidge. I don't think there's anybody like famous in it. Well, there's Alexandria Daddario. Uh, there is what she. Is uh, she was a super hot young girl in a Detective Story. What was that series on HBO? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, yeah. No, not that. The, no, the she. What, there, there is a girl that was in that. That was. Yeah, she's in Texas Chainsaw. No, I know, but I'm saying that on top of the. Th- the thing with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Allen, not Woody Allen, Woody Harrelson. Um, yeah, True Detective. Uh, True Detective, mm. season one. Mm, mm, she mm. she had like the best boobs on like uh, Mr. Skin for like the last ten years now because of that. Jesus wept. What? <laughs> There's at least one hetero on this call right now. I have, I have to get my card stamped every year, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it's oh, weird. Yeah, fun. which and which one of us likes musicals more? The hetero <laughs> Me? one. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I almost had an orgasm. Uh, so I was waiting for French French Dispatch <laughs> to start. I was waiting for French Dispatch to start, and then all I know is this this trailer started, and it just feels like a window at night, oh, and there was like a, ah, and I was like West Side Story. Like, like I knew what it was in two. Even though I've never seen the trailer, I have no idea who's in the movie. But in one point one seconds, I was like, "This is West Side Story," and it was. And and I almost started. I almost teared up by the end of the trailer. Well, maybe someday, <laughs> on the Best Picture podcast, we will cover West Side Story. I I cannot. Oh I can't. wow. Was that up for Best Picture? Oh, how, could that, how could the original not be up for Best Picture? That movie is so yeah, good. Yeah, it's... it's... Especially, <laughs> especially for the time it was released, that movie is fantastical. Uh, oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I love Robert Wise, but now that's... I mean, I like Dude, the sound of music more, and I don't like the sound of music. That movie, for being... Well, I, don't, I can't remember now if it came out in 63 or 65, whatever it is, it, it looks amazingly modern and just... Wow. Yeah, I mean, visually, I mean, again, Robert Wise, the guy's like a... He, he's a brilliant visual director, but the, the movie itself, I mean, eh. Over long, feels too stagey. Oh I've always been a fan of... Uh, of, of Romeo and Juliet type stories and, and, and spin-offs thereof. Uh, okay. Oh, jeez. What's the matter um, with you guys? Let's start the non-romantics <laughs> podcast. Did, did you ever see... Uh, did, you, did you ever see uh, Romeo and Juliet, the one from the 60s or 70s with Olivia Hussey? Are you kidding me? You that is the best... That is the. Those are the best boobs of the 60s. For that, like, 3.5 seconds on oh, screen. Sounds like he's seen it. Olivia Hussey? Okay. All right. Are you kidding me? When we watched it in high school, some damn teacher, like, taped over, like, that little five seconds so that it would just get, like, <laughs> the video was just, like, censored by the teacher. Well, now, with that sound effect you made, does that mean that the tape, like, jiggled around? Like and you some... could check that movie out. You could... You could check out the VHS like from the public library, and you know everyone like me was like pausing and playing yeah. it like just for that one scene. Yeah, that's what I meant. And I would literally get the VHS tapes when I was younger, because you know how you could like put your finger in the hole and then open the flap, and you could see all the extra wear and tear just on that part of the video <laughs> where everyone stops it and rewinds yeah. it. 
Yeah, there's no fixing the tracking on a bit like that. It's just, it's fucked. <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay, yeah, that that was back when we had to work hard to find porn. I mean, Oh, hell you, yeah. You remember the one kid who always had access to his dad's Playboys? I mean, it's like Playboys. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you'd have to go, let's go in this room right now. And here they are. And it was like you were taking out fine art in a museum. You had to handle it with gloves. Um, oh, but I knew at least two kids, like, when we were in sixth grade. And, like, two different kids, but same situation, which is his mom knew that he had a subscription and just let it be. Like, just, like, it is what it is. And that okay. was, like, I just... That's 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 progressive, man. For for nineteen eighty eight. I think my dad left his porn out on purpose so I could see it. Like he's like, it's time for the boy to see a porn. Nope. And no. I remember specifically the first thing I saw in a porn. And it was a Ron Jeremy scene. And I didn't understand enough about I mean, I knew what sex was, but um, there were other things that I had not experienced yet or hadn't really been explained to me that well in like sex education class. But during the money shot, I was like really upset. Like, oh my God, what is that? He's peeing on her, but it's not pee. I don't understand. Um, yeah. Sean was 19 and a half. Uh, <laughs> no, it's probably more like fourth grade, maybe. How how sad and unfortunate that Ron Jeremy was your introduction to. Uh, I know, I know. No. Hey, John Holmes was my first porn on eight millimeter film. I've already told this story before many times. <laughs> Peter North, that was another good one. Yeah, that's. Such, I didn't realize the pun in his name until about a year ago. Even though I've known Peter North known of him since like 1990 you're like P phoebe and friends oh oh i get it like in the last episode she was exactly exactly did you know that peter i never realized peter north peter north that was his second name he was originally matt ramsey and he was in gay porn and uh yeah and um when he was on adam carolla was it adam carolla yeah it was he was on loveline and uh somebody called in to ask about his career in gay porn and he just allegedly just went completely silent like he was like in physical shock it's like uh, he must, yeah that must be old school because modern porn actors they have no problem talking about the gay side of the the industry yeah yeah i don't know guy you know or you, you you find your dad's porn collection, and with this, what's so scary about that is that when you had first of all you had to rewind the tape. You probably didn't even pay attention when he left it, but you know then what your dad saw that got him off. It's information that you don't want to know. My dad never had any porn VHSs, only magazines and eight millimeter uh, film. Man, it's gotta be, yeah. I told you I literally had it because I had the the manual editor's um, eight millimeter viewer. Uh, it's not non electric. Um, you mm -hmm. have to manually crank it, so I had to manually crank with one hand and then crank with the other hand simultaneously. <laughs> it's a true story. It should be in a movie. It should be in a movie. <laughs> it really should, but people wouldn't understand it because they wouldn't even know what that device was. Um, 
<laughs> Literally manual hand crank. Okay, it's been an hour and we haven't talked about anything. I thought we were talking about Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead this whole time. I'm ready to jump in wherever you guys are. Hold on, let me restart All the right. movie. No, you already started it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I started it when we started the call, and it's at the scene where they just got to the mall. Okay, you may begin. Um, wait, I have I have a question. I'm I'm not questioning your you know that this happened. Were Siskel and Ebert a thing in 1978? I mean, I know. Yes, they yeah. were. Yes. Okay, I did not know that. I should know that. I show, let me look it up, how long that show ran. Um, I feel like it started in, like, 75 or something, those two. Huh. And Cisco was doing, um, I don't remember what paper he was on, but he was been reviewing stuff since, like, the 60s. They're both in Chicago, obviously. Uh, They're both, no, one was, uh, Cisco was with the Chicago Tribune, and Ebert was with the Chicago Sun-Times. Exactly. So, and exactly. One is known as a conservative paper, the other one is more of a liberal paper, and uh, they were quote unquote enemies, but you know they right. <laughs> not really. Uh, well, I mean, the stuff I've heard about behind the scenes, they fucking hate each other by the end. But at the end, maybe not when yeah. they started. No, uh, no, not really. Um, there's some really great outtakes on YouTube of them fighting. Uh, but did you see Life Itself? Did you see the Is it Life Itself? The documentary about uh, Roger Ebert? Nope. <gasps> Check it out. Joe Bob says, check it out. That That is a great documentary. I thought it was going to be nominated for an Academy Award, but it wasn't. But Yeah, so, they're, they're, yeah, their show their show started in 75 locally uh, in Chicago, and then it went it went nationwide syndication uh, in 77 onward. Hmm. See, I, I was going to say, Siskel and Ebert, they were notorious for despising horror movies and in the mm. 80s they practically had a campaign they had a couple <laughs> specials about how slasher movies were misogynist and terrible mm. and all that and now we're old enough to realize that slasher movies you just take them with a grain of salt and they're kind of fun um but yeah, yeah I, I i i remember their campaign against friday the 13th when they're like what do these movies tell young people all they tell them is that their lives are gonna be miserable that they're gonna die young Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> well, you know, I'm Generation X, so that's kind of how, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I'm surprised because uh, Ebert wrote a scathing review of Night of the Living Dead. He wrote a scathing review of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah, he did not. Oh like wow! I wasn't he one of the people who saved Halloween? Because Halloween was just playing like the indie circuit, and no one was paying any attention. I think Ebert is the one who gave it a good review. And got he people did give, look at it. He did give it a good review. It was one of his top ten uh, in films of 1978. Um, so I'm sure he had a big part of that. Um, hmm. I just I know this because I just listened to a podcast about Halloween. Uh, so yeah, he was very happy with it. Um, can I tell me? Can I tell my fun fact, Siskel Niebert story? Hey, bring bring it on, bring it on. <laughs> my, I used to work about the time I saw Dawn of the Dead for the first time. There, I brought in Dawn of the Dead. It's a segue. When I was in when I was in college, I was a file clerk at an actuarial firm in downtown Chicago, and my boss, Ralph Weinberg, uh, he had he loved playing poker. Great name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like when I told my mom his name, I remember that she goes, "My God, that's more Jewish than Moses." 
And we he would have a uh, weekly poker night. I think it was weekly, whatever, regular poker night. And one of his poker buddies was Gene Siskel. So oh, wow. I did not know this. And then he just brought it up casually one time. And I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I know this? This is when I found out my dad was friends with John Wayne Gacy. And everybody was like, la, la, la. Well, that's interesting. I was like, no, I need to know. I need to know. You're friends with Gene Siskel? So, so what he did was Gene Siskel wanted him, my boss, to donate some money to some sort of uh, charity. And uh, so he said, okay, you can do it, but you've got to come to my office and spend like 10 or 15 minutes with our file clerk, Sean, because he's a big fan. I had a girlfriend at the time, and she almost like, her head almost exploded like in this movie like she was like oh my god i can't believe you're gonna get to meet gene siskel literally maybe a week or two after this proposal gene siskel was diagnosed with brain cancer and within a month and a half he was dead. yeah so i didn't get to meet gene siskel and i never definitely got to meet uh, roger ebert but uh, did ebert die of cancer as well um he did he had his jaw removed, and I can't remember what kind of cancer he did die of, but uh, mm. watch that movie, Life Itself. I think, I think a, it's on Netflix. I think Ebert had a bad aneurysm as well. But I don't know if that's what killed he him. Did. But he did. No, he actually, this is this is what I remember. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, Erica, but I'll, I'll tell the story. No, you didn't interrupt. He was in the hospital, <laughs> and as he was leaving the hospital, he got in his car, he turned on the radio and there was a uh leonard oh, hallelujah who's the guy leonard cohen leonard, leonard cohen song on that he liked my partner's favorite singer she's got a tattoo of his of him on her, on her really yep <laughs> and uh he decided not to drive out of the parking lot he was going to sit in the car and listen to this song i don't know if it was hallelujah or if it was something else and he had an aneurysm and he thinks that Leonard Cohen, or thought, that Leonard Cohen had saved his life because he was able <laughs> to go back. The hospital was right there. He was able to get there quickly and have it treated. I don't know. Hmm. It, was some, it was some sort of brain thing. Um, and if it was an aneurysm, I would have thought he would have passed out. It was but... something crazy uh, that should have killed him as well. Um, yeah. But I can't remember the details right now. I'm trying to look for it in the Wikipedia. But... We... I was raised on uh, Roger Ebert. Like every Sunday morning, my dad would bring the paper. He'd bring the Dunkin' Donuts. I would read the comics, and I would also read the uh, whatever it was, whatever movie it was that he was reviewing. And uh, yes, yeah, was it the Chicago Tribune? Yeah, but it it was also syndicated nationally in papers. Um, So I grew up with the same tradition myself. I always read that religiously in the newspaper. And when the internet became a thing, for the first four, five, six years of the internet being a thing, that was what I did more than anything those first six years. Because this is before social media or anything else. I would, like my browsing history besides porn was just Ebert and that was it. Like I I could not stop going through like his current reviews and his arc because the whole archive was there. So I would just constantly just think of random movies and search for them in his archive. And that's pretty much what I used the internet for for the first five years. Yeah, yep. I, I've done the same thing, yeah. And he had his great movies column 
uh, which he would do maybe once a month. And I remember they used to have an app. It was like Kindle. You just downloaded it for free and you could watch, you know, read about whatever great movie it was. I'm like, I wonder if he's ever done Night of the Living Dead. And he, I think he did. Changed his mind about that. Yeah, he did a lot of late, later day reviews, which I always liked reading. It was like yeah. revised opinions. It wasn't an aneurysm. It was a... His car... Car... Oh my god, how do you pronounce the artery? Car... Caridoid? Cardoid? Yes. Car- yes, his cardioid artery, like, burst. Um, okay, I can't. That was, that was oh, a carotid. Carotid! I'm gonna, carotid. Pass, out. Carotid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> pass out. Don't don't, don't say it. I don't like talking about arteries. Yeah, Sean... Sean, just because you're saying this, last night I was listening to uh, the Live and Let Die Shaken Not Stirred, and oh my gosh. Uh, they went off about blood for like two minutes, and I had to like pull it off my ears. I was like, oh, I can't listen to this anymore. It's making my whole skin itch. <laughs> what? what did yeah. we do? It's true. What did we do? No, I, I don't I, even remember the details because I pulled it out of my ear, but you guys were just talking about blood, and I was like, it's making my skin I remember fall. Kyle said one time that he cannot stand in movies when somebody comes up behind somebody and slits their throat, like the thought of having a slow throat, his throat slit terrifies him. Me too. I mean... Yeah. I'd rather be buried. Al- I-, I would not want to be buried alive. Or- oh God, no! But- I'd rather my throat slit. Yeah, flashback to the vanishing. I'd take that over the buried alive. Oh my God, what are you talking about? Oh, me too. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> oh, uh, demon booze. But yeah. Oh, throat slit. Oh no, that's on the top oh. ten. I don't want to die that way. Well, let me tell this funny story. Away from uh, Night Living or Dawn of the Dead again. So I went to go see Halloween Kills in a theater Ooh. that was just me in it. Oh, no. But just before the just before the movie started, um, I heard some sort of weird noise, and it sounded like there was some people behind me in seats. And so the entire movie I experienced, I kept looking over my shoulder, like, is there someone else hiding in the theater? Like, could there potentially be, like, a serial killer hiding somewhere back there just waiting for the chance to slip my throat? Like, I was just in, like, I don't know, I was, like, paranoid or something. I kept thinking of that Dark Knight Rises uh, killer. And so I kept covering up my neck the whole movie because I was like, oh, God, what if he's going to try to slip my throat at some point? <laughs> I don't know what was going on with me that day, but I was just, like, it really heightened this, the scary experience watching that. <laughs> I kept thinking there was a killer in the theater. <laughs> on Halloween, we watched the, the 2018 one. Um, I was able to find it at Best Buy on uh 4k for $12 what's this world coming hmm. to but I'm happy um, <laughs> but I don't remember a lot of what I want now uh, when I saw the, the, the recent Joker movie um, there was all that stuff in the news that someone might try to like um, yeah. like do yeah. something in the theater because of content in the movie and I saw that movie IMAX and when it got to the scene in the movie when they're on the talk show and and I was in the movie, you know, I mean, I was in the movie, the drama of the movie, and it was heightened, and I was like, like, oh my god, like, what's going to happen in the movie? But at the same time, I started having thoughts that, not that there might be a gunman in the theater, but I, I felt like someone might do something stupid, like light some fireworks or something, and I don't know what happened, because it's the closest thing I've had to having, like, a panic attack in the theater, and I'm, I'm not known for panic attacks. But it it made the movie like uh, uh, I almost lost it because I just thought someone was gonna do something in the theater and nothing happened of course and I was already trying to plan my escape or I w- would I just go down to the ground or like what would I do and I don't know. but anyway 
I kept thinking that. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to get out if a killer's here? <laughs> I've had my experiences with panic attacks in the theater. I just I just go outside and smoke a bunch of weed. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I... Oh, too bad. I take Santa. But yeah, because, uh, <laughs> again, as the guy who never gets scared by movies, usually, uh, I just remember seeing Chamber of Secrets in the theater the first time. And when all the spiders came out, holy <laughs> shit, I was, oh my god, that was that was another crazy movie experience where I wanted to just like crawl oh, wow. out of my seat and get the hell out of there. I just remember it being super intense in the theater. Those spiders were just everywhere. Do you ever see Hard Candy with Ellen Page? And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, went to, we went to see that with, with a friend when it first came out. And he had to leave the theater. Oh my god! At, at that part, you know oh, the part. Yes, you know the part. Oh, that part. Even though I, even though I knew about it, I read about it before I saw it. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, that that was. I mean, they didn't show anything. You just heard it. You saw his face. He was so good in it. They were both so good in it. And my friend like was like, "Okay, I can't take this. I just have to walk out." I mean, this is my friend that I could watch fucking Cannibal Holocaust with, you know, and, you know, every single gory movie ever. But that scene, he couldn't take it. I took it. But it's kind of funny. Uh, I saw that on HBO when it came out. And the only reason I watched it is because I was a fan of Ellen Page from her one season stint on Trailer Park Boys. Hmm. She was in the second season. And I, I was watching Trailer Park Boys at the time and I was like, oh, she's in a movie like, oh, fuck, I'm going to check this out. And yeah, just definitely squirming in my seat. Like, goddamn, what a great oh film. Oh my god. And then she was in Juno, which is like, hey, look at us. We're mm. cute. I'm Diablo Cody. I'm writing a perky movie. Oh, fuck Diablo Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Not a fan at all. It's an okay movie. Alice and Janie is really great in it. And, and so is. Oh, I love that movie at the time. Who was his? What was. I always call it J.K. Simmons. Yep, J.K. Simmons. Yep. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's fun performances, but that writing by Diablo Cody is so obnoxious, and the whole like referencing like, oh, I'm this big horror fan. Something about it just feels fake to me. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm just it, unfair. At, at the time, I liked it, but now watching it again, it's kind of like, oh, we're too cool for school. And you know. oh, The Wizard of Gore is the greatest horror movie. That piece of crap, The Wizard of Gore. It's like, yeah, it's a off. piece of crap movie. It's a piece of crap. <laughs> you watch it stoned. When you're a teenager, you don't you. Not that I was ever stoned as a teenager, but yeah, that Diablo Cody won an Oscar for that movie. Goddamn. But you know, whatever, it's okay. Hey, more power to her. No. Welcome to the movie snob podcast. I, I remember back in the day, I, <laughs> I, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I thought I was friends with Diablo Cody on MySpace. You know, remember MySpace? Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, and I was friends with fictional characters from like Lost and shit, and because <laughs> that's what they did on MySpace, and I thought oh. it was so cool. It's like, dude, you gotta just stick to your Doctor Who. I don't think you should do this MySpace thing. Oh, I don't remember Doctor Who MySpace. I don't think I was paying attention to it at that point, but I'm sure it was annoying too. No, I don't remember that either. But, uh, yeah. No, because yeah, no. Oh. I watched uh, Mojo.com. You guys know this uh, YouTube channel? 
They've got EnglishMojo.com. They've got uh, MissMojo.com. Anyway, they've got these fucking lists of like the top top ten serial killers in movies. I'm like, oh my god, I've got to read that. The top ten horror remakes. And uh, Dawn of the Dead made it, as well as the remake of Night of the Living Dead, directed by Tom Savini, which is not bad. It is it is pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a 90s zombie film. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 1990. I don't know if that, you know. Yeah, but... and there was, uh, I just remembered uh, Dead Alive, the uh, Peter Jackson film. That's another 90 zombies film. Or 90s zombie film, I should say. <laughs> Fuck, I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, the pre-drinking. I, I apologize. <laughs> I, you know, please, don't worry. <laughs> um, do you know how drunk I've been on podcast? I've actually had to shut podcast down because I was so drunk, but that was in the old days. Oh, I oh, remember. That's before. The Pertwee, uh, the Pertwee intervention with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with Erica and, and Chris Burgess? Yep, that's that's the one. <laughs> oh man, oh man, Jesus Christ! That's the one I always call that. I even re- referenced that in one of my uh, write-ins to the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chopping Mall reminds me of the end of season three of Stranger Things. Um, <sighs> I heard that grunt. No, no that was amazing. I, I've only seen the ending of season three was amazing. I was in tears for like twenty minutes uh, okay. at the end of the finale of that season. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I heard that silent grunt, Sean. I heard that. No, I'll tell you the, the mall that was wasted. The mall in Stranger Things super awesome. The mall that was wasted um, was the mall in uh, uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. That was the mall that was wasted. Oh, fuck that. You talk about... Fuck that. Caleb's movie. happy about they changed all the bulbs in the mall for Dawn of the Dead. In uh, in Wonder Woman <laughs> 83, they went They went to the... Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I used to go to this mall in real life in the D.C. area in Virginia. Uh, it's like it's like the Falls Falls Church Mall or whatever it was called. Um, well, the mall is currently like... You know, it's a dead, vacant mall uh, now. But for Wonder Woman 84... You know, they completely revitalized it, you know, just to shoot that movie. And I don't know, just such a waste of, of like they literally brought that whole damn mall back to life just to have some crappy scenes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they should have just put it in the grave. I was so excited. I was so excited for that movie. God, it was a letdown. Well, that's that's everyone's experience of that movie. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> well, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot's still hot. So there's that. Is she though? What? Is she? Hot? That's anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's not anti-Semitic. Yes, it is. Jesus oh my god, no, that's not anti-Semitic. How can you say Just she's not hot? Not. There's no other way to, to no. That, okay, compute that. I think she. When I see Gal Gadot, I see the Barbie doll version of her, and I'm like, is there any difference? I don't even know what that means. Uh, I'm gonna have to get a Gal Gadot Barbie doll and do research because I don't even know what that means. No, it's th- this is horrible. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step out. That one should not be judged by one's porn likes. You know, like I don't I don't want to. What, what you is know, this? For inst- Let him finish. I want to see where this goes. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, 
can I take a pee? I've had to pee for like half an Me hour. Me too. Me too. Okay. Um, we'll take That's why you need to have a cup next to you while you record. No, I don't do that. Me neither. Write down the Gal Gadot. I've almost done a movie theater many there. times in the last <laughs> 10 years. Are you serious? Oh my god, you're an animal. I said okay, almost. I'm, go. I'm, I'm taking a piss right now. Look, Shut up. You have that big popcorn he, thing. He says almost, but I don't I finish it. all the popcorn. Yeah, I... Me and Sean will be back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I just peed and I'm back. Who hasn't muted their thing? Me. And Eric, apparently. <laughs> oh, the Chopping Mall, yes! Yeah, directed by Jim Wynorski, who directed The Bear Wench Project. His parody of uh, The Blair Witch Project. I did not... Uh, you know what? I like Chopping Mall, but I didn't like Chopping Mall. I think for an idea, it was kind of cool, but I, they just missed advertise that film yeah fair enough it's it's by no means no great shake where shopping will cost you an arm and a leg yeah for years i've been wanting to go back to the hammered horror podcast you guys remember that show Mm-hmm. yeah and because it'd been so long since i listened in their ep- any of their episodes i was like you know what if i'm gonna go through this i might as well watch along with them and revisit a lot of these films i haven't seen in years so i watched um the howling uh, earlier this week, then uh, or last week, I should say. And then I watched Chopping Mall. Yeah, it's been it's been fun revisiting that show. That's another show that I loved back in 2016. Are they are they still doing it? I don't think so. I, I mean, I haven't kept up. It they became so sporadic after uh, uh, Paul moved to the states. So I don't know what happened after that. But yeah, he now lives in our neck of the woods. He lives in Houston. Oh, I didn't know that. So, why is that? Why did they move to Houston? His wife has family in Houston, so I guess. Okay. And and he had a really good job, like a cool job. Like he would, I don't know who he worked for, but he would be the person that would contact, or be the in between, um, of like people from reality TV shows. Like, oh. um, who are those two guys that are brothers, but they seem like they're gay? And they uh, build shit, or they they flip homes. I'm sorry. I know what you're talking about. Anyway, oh. there's there's a bunch of them that I I don't know I don't know about. Like, uh, yeah, he would say, oh, this person was a real problem. I can't go into it. This because I did a <laughs> uh, episode of um oh this is like a year ago of uh um uh what's it called? Holy fuck! I just remembered you actually did Dawn of the Dead on the Ferris Project years ago. Yeah, yeah, this is my wow. third, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How do you know this, Caleb? I think all the internet. It's all in my giant TARDIS Tavern playlist. No, I've got a huge playlist. It's got, like, th- almost 400, probably 400-plus 400 uh, podcasts on it, and I just listen to it just on the regular, so... If I'm driving home from work, I'll just pop it on and whatever comes up, there you go. So, <laughs> it's all just stored in my memory banks. Alright, that's alright. <laughs> I I don't want to offend you, Caleb, but sometimes when, um, you know, because I have a, I, I subscribe to a, a bunch of shit, and sometimes years will come up, I'm like, oh my god, is this one of mine? 
And if it is, I'll delete it. But if you're only talking about superhero stuff, I'll delete it. All right, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Oh, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Is it, is it uh, anti-Semitic if you don't think she's beautiful? No. No. <laughs> the only reason I say that is because, is because it'd be like, it'd be like talking about a gorgeous black woman who is just, there's no denying she's gorgeous. And then for someone to, to deny it, then that's that's the easy, low hanging fruit. Well, then you must not, you must not, you must have an issue with black people because well, kind of yeah. Because this is the most one of the most contrarian things uh, opinions that uh, Caleb has ever put forth. Uh, I'm not saying that she's not um, stereotypically attractive. I just feel like she looks like kind of like um, like I said, like a Barbie doll. Like she's almost too perfect to be actually attractive. I'm sure if I saw her in person. I'd be like, God damn. That should not be a detriment, first of all, if you happen to look as perfect as a Barbie doll. But I don't think she's stereotypically attractive. I, I, I've always considered her one of because, but there's different flavors. But one of, because she's she is very Semitic hot to me. Uh, she's not just regular hot. She's <laughs> Semitic hot. Um, and that's that's a special category. Now, is this anti-Semitic to say? <laughs> I, I'm as pro-Semitic as you can be. That's why I oh, bring yeah. it up. Well, we're not doubting that, but it's like <laughs> you know, she's she's you know so Semitic. She's hot. Like no, no, because uh, I've told this story before. I've told this story before. I don't know if I told it to you guys, um, but because I saw her uh, before she was famous, she had some bit part. In some movie with Mark Wahlberg, oh, no. um, uh, and Steve Carell and Tina Fey, uh, I think it was Parents Night Out or something like that. Um, date night. Date night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, date date, date night. night. Yeah. So she had like this bit role in that movie. So I remember seeing that movie at the time. Like it was, I caught it like on HBO or something. Uh, and I remember I was like, Oh my god, who is this chick? Like she's so hot. I don't know. I have no idea who she is. Um, and and there was these other uh, ladies who I saw in other movies that were hot. And this is before I realized there was a through line. Because I didn't know, I didn't realize that she was Jewish at the time. Oh, I didn't even know who she was. Um, uh, or Israeli. And, I, and there was these other actresses who I found attractive, who I also didn't know were Jewish or Israeli at the time. So then I realized some years later after that, oh shit, and when she became famous, oh my god, I didn't realize I have, I have a thing for like Israeli women, and usually it's more the them from Israel more so than just the the American uh, breed, um, and so there is something special about those Israeli uh, ladies. You guys don't know how many um, TikTok accounts I follow from like Israeli women in the uh, what is it the Israeli IDF? Israeli. Um, yeah, we don't know, but apparently it's a lot. The Israeli Defense Force. Um, do you know how many hot, uh, yeah, the IDF, yeah, the IDF, uh, you know how many hot, uh, babes there are in the IDF, uh, check it out on TikTok. Um, and so, yeah, so she's in the special category. So I, I, I can never think of her as stereotypical hot, although she does have Barbie-ish features. It, it's okay. Yeah. She, she does. She, she is actually beautiful. Um, uh, small story. Uh, there's a lady in my office who's a lesbian, and she has a Wonder Woman calendar up on her wall. And uh, Gal Gadot was in January, and I came back in February. I said, "Tracy, it's the same picture." 
And she goes, <laughs> yeah, I just like looking at her. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. okay. It's all right. Um, but I'm I'm not sure. What now, if you want to, the, the super hot American Amerijew, uh, that's Scarlett Johansson. Amerijew, Amerijew. Did you just say Amerijew? Yeah, that's see, that's I mean, what what are we get? What are we getting into? <laughs> I'm just here? saying. I'm just saying. It's apples and oranges. I mean, they're both hot, but ScarJo, hot in her own way. Uh, Godot in her own way. Oh no, she she's definitely hot. That silent sex scene during her. I mean, I was aroused. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen her yet, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you remember that, Sean. I know you guys covered it on shit we watched, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh God damn. It's okay. I don't know. I you know, I, I thought she was much more pretty in Lost in Translation. And oh, my the God. movie actually opened with a with a panning shot of like her ass and an negligent. Oh that is that is peak Scarjo. Apparently I need to see this. What? You've never seen Lost in Translation? Oh, I actually own it on Blu-ray, oh. um, and I've seen the the movie it's paired with, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but I've never oh. watched Lost in no. Translation. No, oh. no, absolutely no. You have to watch Lost in Translation. It's excellent. Fuck Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I never got. Oh, it. oh, I, never how, got oh it. I love both movies, but they're apples and oranges. Um, yeah. No, but Lost in Translation though, it is a bit. It is a bit of a what do you call it? Um, what do you? What do you call it? Uh, oh, uh, uh, divider. It's a bit of divider. I've never seen a Sofia Coppola film that I could say that I've loved. So she's kind of not high priority for me. Okay. So that's why I haven't watched it yet. So I've been like, ah, oh, Sofia Coppola. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll check it out eventually. But <sighs> This is just... Have you ever been to a foreign country? Yes, he has. Uh, does Mexico count as a foreign country? <laughs> yes, it does. So I, I always loved... Uh, lost in translation and i i just love like the idea of like he's traveling he's working he has this thing because fuck that's what i would do especially at my age and i remember when i went to thailand for the first time it was exactly the same as that movie like exactly the same but see it's more than that right that that i think is a surface level appreciation i mean i'm not trying to cast shade on sean um but i mean there is that of course everything he just said but the other piece i grab out of it personally and uh, by the way it's on my very short list of movies that i watch like three times a year because it it's i don't Mm. there's not many movies like that like it's like that and empire strikes back for me but anyway and rambo um, but, uh, first blood, uh, lots of translation. Not only is it that like being in a foreign land, uh, literally in a foreign land to me, it's very metaphorically about being in a foreign land as well, because you guys don't personally know like the weirdo side of me. Um, because well, Sean's met me in real life, but in real life, if I'm hanging out with Sean, I become a person similar to who I am right now on microphone. So to Sean, it's not that different, but that's because it's Sean. When I'm in the rest of my regular life, when Sean's not around, um, I can go through, especially 10 years ago, I could go through these phases where I feel like I'm in a foreign land in my own city, um, like San Antonio. And the way he reacts to like the different people in Japan and everything, there's times where I could get up in my head 
and that's how I feel like everyone around me is. Um, like nothing makes sense to me, like what other people are doing and what they're talking about. Or I'm mm-hmm. historically, I'm really bad at social gatherings and parties um, because I feel like everyone around me is speaking a different language metaphorically. Um, and I'm just like, like, ugh. like I, I used to have like a lot of problems uh, m- mentally blending in with people around me. I, I can like act like a uh, Dexter, uh, the character, and like and like pretend. Uh, but I'm more like data. Like I can pretend to blend in with the humans, but I just they, they don't make any sense to me. Um, well, they make more sense to me now. But ten years ago, I could really be like that uh, up in my head. And, and but, but 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 yeah but the but the thing <laughs> about that movie <laughs> I'm sorry the thing ahead, is, he's not comfortable going there at first and then eventually he does become comfortable because he's there for work you can probably expense things and the city um, becomes less foreign to him um and then he meets this lady, Scarlett Johansson, and they have a great relationship. And they don't fuck. They don't fuck, which is important. Hey, I feel like you guys are spoiling this flick for me. I didn't even know that it had anything to do with Japan. All I know is the title. <laughs> and that also mirrors a lot of my like real life metaphorically, which is I can like then start appreciating the real world when I have someone else to appreciate it with, like another partner. And a lot of times it's a non-sexual partner. And just like those two characters, um, they don't really make sense getting along, but then they do, but they don't. And that's a lot of times how my partners have been is like, they don't make sense to be with me, but then they do, but they don't. So I guess it gets really personal for me. But also, I was saying a bit earlier, the movie can be very divisive in a way amongst amongst people or critics or viewers. Because I find, because I usually post on social media about that movie at least once a year and there's always certain people like let's say sean who who's like oh yeah great movie you know love it you know whatever but there's this there's this other group that are like fuck that movie uh like it's a waste of my time nothing happens it's it's and and so you're either in or you're out there's no in between on lost in translation you're either gonna think it's amazing or you're gonna think it's a pretentious pos i i could talk about it um no, i'm not gonna talk about it yeah caleb you haven't seen it it doesn't matter uh i'll try to watch it next time we can talk about it yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I i don't i don't love spoilers for because yeah I, I have been planning to see it i've heard a lot of good things about it i just with Sofia Coppola, I'm like, ah, she's not a top priority. Maybe that's insulting. Uh, to her but wait, but no. take her out of the equation. Like, uh, just, just, just take the movie as is. Forget about her and whether she has anything else good or not. Yeah, yeah he's right. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, it's probably, I think, in my opinion, the best movie of the year. But I have to go back. Um, and it, it's worth rewatching as well. Um, not you know. Then there's also the rip my stockings, rip my stockings. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what I'm talking about. But. All right. Uh,